begin to take our seats. I'm going to make sure that my cell phone is on silent, and I don't even know where it's at, but who cares, because uh, that's not even important. But good morning. Uh, all glory and honor be to God this morning. I'm Pastor Lance. I'm one of the pastors here at Newbury Church. Uh, Pastor Michael is getting some rest time and some worship time with his family. Uh, he's a well faithful brother uh, in need of a good rest, and uh, he's been faithfully bringing us the word uh, in a sermon series on Esther, a story of God's providence, and it's blessed me tremendously, Um, and I know it's blessed some of you. Uh, We love you, Pastor Michael, Aaliyah, Emery, and Thea, and we hope that John is celebrating later. Uh, You are doing well. Um, Brother John, Pastor John, is celebrating his birthday He is, in fact, turning 70. Uh, We all thought he was turning 42, but he fooled us. Uh, Pastor John and his wife, Lynn, are taking some time to celebrate um, our dear brother's birthday. We love you, Papa John, and I know you'll get uh, many love, many hugs, love, texts, and kisses uh, when you get back, just from your wife. Um, My wife and I are expecting our third child in October. She's not here. She's back in child care, so... my days of, of great sleep are numbered. <laughs> uh, we praise the Lord for his graciousness, for our quiver, uh, and to my wife, my bride, and she's not here, and this was for her, but uh, you can tell her when you see her, to my wife and to my bride, my prime rib, my covenant bay. thank you for loving me and encouraging me this week when I was discouraged. Thank you for loving our family well, honey. Thank you for being a woman of virtue who I was blessed to find. You are a godly woman to our children, to the women of this body, and to everyone in this congregation. I love you, Candace, and I hope she gets that. So this morning, we'll take a break from the book of Esther, and we'll look at the book of Romans. I know the Lord has a timely word for us as his people this morning. So turn with me, and if you would please stand as we read God's word, to Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. It's the doxology. And it's good to see uh, visitors and some of our sisters and brothers who have, you know, came back to worship with us this morning. It makes my heart happy. The doxology in Romans 16, verses 25 to 27. It is literally the last section of Romans. And I'll go ahead and tell you the title now. Glory be to God for gospel power. And it reads, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Father, as we gather around your word this morning, I pray that you would make it clear that you want the glory, that glory to God alone. Father, I pray that you would remind us of the great gospel, of your story, of how you created man in your image, and you pursue man with an awe-inspiring love, with an all-encompassing love, a love that does not disappoint, a hope does not disappoint, 
and a love that endures. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us as we go from this place even with your gospel, that you would set our minds and hearts on what you have to say this morning. I pray that you would remove any distraction from our hearts and minds that that may want to overtake what we have to hear from you this morning. And I pray that you would allow me to speak your truth to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If any of you have seen the movie Black Panther, if you're a Marvel fan, then you know that when it came out, it was a really big hit. It was essentially the first black superhero, which that's not true, I guess, if you count Blade and even the comic books. But anyway, you get the point. Black Panther came out in 2018, 2019, I don't know. But there's a scene in which Black Panther, T'Challa, is helping Nakia uh, with, some, with some village people. And they, they fight a battle, and they win the battle, and then they get back into the, into the big old ship, into the big old jet, and you see, like, wow, this is, this is a big deal. And then they start flying over what we know to be um, the continent of Africa, and then they get to Wakanda, and Black Panther, T'Challa, comes from the back of the ship to the front, and he starts to look out at Wakanda. T'Challa and the Dormelage return to Wakanda after this mission, and, and he looks out and he says, this never gets old. And they've come through this force field many times, and he still says, this never gets old old. Beloved, it is my hope that when we come to church each week, that we come together as the people of God around the Word of God to sing songs for the glory of God in Christian community, that the gospel never gets old. May God's gospel be my resolve both now and forever. May God's gospel be our resolve both now and forever. The fact that we were in the path of God's wrath, but Jesus took the cup of punishment on our behalf, and now we can fellowship in eternity with God at last. Praise God for gospel power. May we come to this place running to God in awe of him, and the gospel never gets old. Some of us are here today, need our marriage covenants to be gospel-powered and strengthened in a way that makes us say, thank you, God, for his covenant faithfulness. Some of us here today need gospel power to not only fight sin well, but to walk in the newness of life as a new creature in Christ. Some parents, we're here, and we need gospel power to know that when our best efforts to love our kids result in them doubling down on their defiance, the Lord is holding this thing together. Some of us have had traumatic experiences, and some of us have been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and can't seem to shake those pesky abandonment issues deep inside. But we know that when we get to glory, there'll be a sign that says, no tears beyond this point. Some of us experience health issues, been diagnosed with COVID. We might have long-lasting permanent effects on this side of heaven, lost loved ones in a moment's notice, and have experienced sheer chaos that feels hopeless beyond repair in our relationships. But to know when we get to heaven, there'll be a sign that says, no pain beyond this point. Knowing that all the Lord's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus calls us to say, God, be the glory. And I'm here to tell you, God, by means of the gospel, 
is able to establish, confirm, and support the believer throughout all life. That is gospel power, and it never gets old. I've talked with many of you church members over the past couple years, and I feel like they've been the most difficult two years of my life, of my adult life, and maybe your story is a bit different, but these years have been really hard. There's a pandemic. We had a child in a pandemic, a political climate, hate culture. It's for the birds, I think, quite frankly. I found myself 33 years into life dealing and unpacking with some hurt, and I almost let it become my identity. You can ask my wife. Shame, anger, fear, abandonment, unemployment. Maybe you've been there. There were times when the pain and the grieving seemed too much to bear. And I know we've heard the gospel message time and time again. And I know we've heard um, prayer and songs, but I know you heard it a thousand and one times. But I'm here to tell you, if you need it a thousand and two, because the gospel power in your life will show up a thousand and three times, and it won't lose a bit of juice. You want to quit walking in the narrow way? You want to say, man, the world just has it better. Or you want to indulge in sin? Maybe, the, maybe you just want to quit and say, wow, wow, what's the point of all this? Or you want to change your mind and commitment to God. Maybe it's not even that worth, that, that worth pursuing. The gospel can hold you tight. We best thank God for keeping us faithful because we can't keep ourselves faithful. The gospel is God's establishing, confirming, and perfectly supporting power to the believer in this life. And I think that is what Paul is getting at in the doxology. And because of God's establishing, confirming, and perfectly supporting power to the believer in his life by means of the power of the gospel, we say glory be to God. The doxology in Romans, six, in Romans 16, verses 25, if you strip it down, it's a statement of praise. Doxology, a statement of praise. And if you take all the adjectival forms and the adjectives out of it, you get him be glory or God be glory. This doxology in Romans 16 is, is quite unusual. If you look at it, um, it's a run-on sentence. <laughs> uh, one commentator said, the structure of the doxology is complex with an over overload of words and phrases. There are no periods, no natural breaks, no place where you can say, oh, I can make a point out of that and then stop and, oh, I can make a point out of that. No, it's a big run-on sentence. So Paul is summarizing the most exhaustive theological text in the Bible. He's taken the whole story of God's plan of salvation in the canon, and I feel like he's kind of summarizing it in three verses. So when you take away all the adverbs, adjectives, you're, less, you're left with God be the glory. Everything else in the verse is just describing what he gets, the glory. And I'm, I don't have any points this morning, any hard and fast points, but I just want to walk through the text, verses 25 through 27. So you can take notes as you see fit, but I don't have any hard and fast points. I do, but I don't like them. And so I'm just going to walk through the text. And so you can ask me later what they are if you really want them. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. The gospel power in the believer's life is a reminder that we have nothing to boast in and no reason to put stuff on our chest, to pout out our chest, because the gospel, in fact, is the means in which we can overcome death because of the work of Christ on the cross. 
the preaching of Jesus in Paul's day, when he says being strengthened by the gospel, you got to think about this. This church in Rome would have been people that would have been either known Jesus or right after Jesus, and we see how Jesus' life ended according to his obedience of faith. And so Paul is like, hey, I want you to be strengthened by the very thing that could end your life, that could be an instrument of torture. I want you to be strengthened by this thing. See, Paul had a boldness that found its resolve in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Yes, we know Paul saw um, Jesus in Acts chapter 9 on the way to Damascus. He saw firsthand the good news in the flesh, and he is confident that the Lord is no fluke. God's power was made known to Paul in the midst of Paul trying to wield his own power as a Pharisee, but led him to being a bondservant of the Lord in his gospel. That's a beautiful thing. It's so powerful that it can take man's desire to pursue what man wants to do. And then once the gospel gets a hold of you, it will take you from a boss to a bondservant. Man. Man. That word there um, for power is, is one that is able to, like, like we talked about, to confirm, to strengthen, to hold, to keep. That's what the gospel does. Verse 25b, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. So what is this mystery? Well, Ephesians 3, 6, Paul goes to explain. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Gentiles have a position in the kingdom that the mystery is that, that's one part of the mystery, that Gentiles would now be a part of God's plan of salvation that he laid out in the Old Testament. Colossians 1, 25 to 27, HCSB. Paul talking about the mystery. I've become its servant. Remember, Paul was a boss, but now he's a servant. That's gospel power right there. According to God's administration that was given to me for you, to make God's message fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the mystery? It is that God has had a plan for salvation through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for all of eternity. While Israel is God's chosen people, Gentiles and outsiders are being grafted in through their profession of faith, which is their righteousness and not the law. Remember, this is the church in Rome. And so you got some Jewish Christians, Jewish believers, and you got some Greek believers. And so Paul is like, no, hey, this is a beautiful thing. The Messiah, Jesus, is the revelation of the mystery now disclosed. Church, I, I thought about this, and I'm thinking, some of us, I didn't go to homeschool. I didn't go to, um, I wasn't homeschooled. I didn't go to a Christian academy or even have a necessarily a Christ-centered culture where I grew up at. But that didn't stop God from calling me to himself. That didn't stop God from maybe calling you if you didn't grow up in the most Christ-centered environment. If you weren't a child of promise, in a sense, like destined with, with Christian schools and a Christian education and a Christian home, man, that's good news that the gospel can still get to you, right? Like, that, that's maybe one application we could take from, like, we have Israel, God's chosen people, and some of them are like, nah, I'm good. I don't want him. I'm still waiting on another Messiah. 
But we like, yo, we wasn't even like, you know, in the Christian synagogue. We wasn't even at the Christian school. But the Lord still, through the power of the gospel and his divine wisdom, said, no, I want you. That didn't stop God from calling us. It's okay that you're not an MK, PK, or employee at Chick-fil-A. God's gospel is far-reaching in this world and our lives. Let me say it another way. It's okay that if this past year is really not. It's okay that if you fell off your walk with Jesus this past year. For the believer, there is always hope. Remember, isn't it about you and you keeping God's law perfectly? Your faith in the saving grace through the person and work of Jesus Christ is what your power is where your power comes from. And if you're here and you're not a believer today, and you think, well, I don't really, somebody told me, one of my friends told me this in college, and they weren't a believer. They said, you know what, I don't really want to follow Jesus because, man, I don't think I can keep up with all those rules and stuff. I'm like, I don't make any sense. Okay, well, if you can't keep, okay, okay, yeah, you get the point. So if you're here, you're like, well, I don't really want to follow Jesus because it's too legalistic and the church wants me to do all that. And I just can't give up all that stuff that God wants me to do. uh, And I can't live that straight and narrow. Well, neither can we either, apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I would say to you, friends, that as Bonhoeffer once said, my brother from Germany who visited Harlem, I love that so much, that we throw ourselves completely into the hands of God. And we call that faith. And so even now as we, we look at the mystery that's been revealed, like, man, that's a beautiful thing that, that even though our, our lives weren't necessarily like destined, so to speak, for this, this great Christian lifestyle, man, God in his gospel power came and got you by name in places that, man, heaven only knows maybe, physical places and emotional places, he came and got you and me. I'm moving on in verse 26. But he is, but has now, this is the mystery revealed, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, have been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. God's plan of salvation through Jesus was hidden in the Old Testament. Romans 5, Paul talks about the death of Adam and the life of Christ. Adam's sin brought death. Romans 5.16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift flowing many trespasses brought justification. So even, even way back with Adam, we see like the, 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 the Lord crushing the serpent's head. We know that, that God has a plan to redeem man to himself. Aren't you glad God has a plan for you? <laughs> Like, if you took your own plans, like, and I'll get to that later, like, and you decided to try to find salvation in your own timeline and in your own um, span of life, man, that'd be hard. Man, that'd be hard. Paul is arguing how God's plan of salvation has come not just to the Jews in Israel, but to all the world. The most pinpoint example of this mystery is revealed in the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Paul references this, that, that Abraham has the Abrahamic covenant, and God made a promise with him. 
And Paul references that in Romans 4.13. Remember, this is kind of like the doxology is a, kind of a, a summary of, of God's plan for salvation to a church in Rome and the book of Romans, quite frankly. Romans 4.13 reads, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Don't work so hard at it. Lean on him. He's already done the work. That's why he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. I took a new job in, on Muhammad Ali, and um, every day I drive down Chestnut, and I, get, and I make a left on Ali, and I go to work. And over the years since I've lived in Louisville, and I've gotten up early, and I've taken um, my routes to work, I, I would see buses, whether it be um, on this corner in Shawnee or walking the dog or whatever. I would just see kids on the bus, and it would remind me when I was a young man, uh, and I would either walk to school or uh, I would take the city bus because I never took the yellow bus, but I would often just pray for those kids on the bus, especially the little kids when you see them coming by in the morning. I would just pray for them and say, Lord, keep them safe. Man, Lord, may they feel safe and loved, and, and may some of them come to faith, and the high school kids are out there, and over the past couple months, I would go down Chestnut, and I would see on Chestnut and Hodge, a group of high schoolers and middle schoolers and kids who were a little bit bigger than me, <laughs> that's not hard, but I would see them off to the right, just kind of joking, and what kids do on the bus stop every day, you know, we all joked on the bus stop, and they would have fun, and I would say, man, Lord, keep them safe. Last Wednesday, before I got to that bus stop, headed to Chestnut. A 16-year-old, Tyree Smith, was shot, and two of his friends were injured. This is a quote from his mother, Sharita Smith. Sharita Smith said she spoke to her son over the phone moments before his death. This is what she said. My, quote, and my son walked out the door at 615 he called me at 6.18 and said, Mama, I got shot, she said. Mama, I got shot. And we know that Tyree is no longer with us. He passed away. And we saw all the clips, all the articles, and I was actually um, in chapel at my employment when we heard about this. And you're like, well, what does it have to do with, with this, with, with the Abrahamic covenant? Because God has people that he is and will always be calling to himself. It is us to be faithful, to go out and make his name known in all the nations. Because we know that for these kids, it can seem hopeless. For these parents, for Miss Smith, for Miss Sherita Smith, we love you. But, oh, there is a beauty in God's good news. And I can't imagine the pain that she's feeling right now. Mama, I got shot in his life was that like a vapor over and over in the, um, and so something in that, in, in, the, in, the, in the finite nature, in the um, flippant nature in which we live and we die, should remind us that, man, there are people that God has called to himself. I like to think it the way Augustine said, um, and I'll lay my cards on the table, man, God has called some people in this life to serve and to love and to glorify him for all of eternity, and our job with the gospel to go forth and to say, look, Hey, you, you, you want a God's kids. You want a God's kids. Can, do we think of the Abrahamic covenant when we go out and we see people that even in that moment may not be living for the Lord Jesus Christ? 
do we still have that picture in our mind like, man, because Abraham had a hard time believing. <laughs> his, him and his wife had a hard time believing that. I get it. It's hard. But, it's, but we on this side of the resurrection, and we know that God has called all men to himself, Jew and Gentile, Greek. Can we, with gospel eyes, believe in the gospel's power to effectively call kids, individuals in our community to gospel truth, even if it doesn't look like it? Can the Abrahamic covenant speak to us? I know, I know we don't live in covenants anymore. I, I get it because we got the new covenant. But, but just for a moment, like, remember, Abraham, him and his wife couldn't have kids. And God said, you'll be the father of many nations. And so how much more promise is there if we know that on this side of it, like, God can call people to himself? The gospel power should call us to pursue those around us as we walk in obedience. And we don't have to worry about what it's going to look like when they get saved. It's not like, well, this person got saved, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that up. Because when I offered the gospel to them, they said they accepted it. But I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I, don't know. I didn't see much fruit. Look, I'm going to drop this on you. Romans 8, 28 through 30 in the book of Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Are you thinking about those kids on the bus stop? Are you thinking about that dude at work? Are you thinking about that lady you work with, the people at the park? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Are you thinking about yourself? Are you thinking about God's gospel power in your own life? Of how, before you knew God, you were in the path of wrath. But a holy and righteous God lovingly sent his son Jesus. It is the greatest act of love that we will ever know. That Jesus would exchange his place at the right hand of the Father and come walk in earthly clothes with earthly flesh our journey of faith. Could we see ourselves here? Maybe you never thought you would find victory. Maybe you thought you would never find peace or healing in a tough season. Maybe one season was just so tough that you're like, man, I might as well just walk away from this thing altogether, my faith. If we struggle like that, but we have gospel hope and we have gospel power and we know it's full effect, how much more does the world need gospel power? Remember, we look forward to the sign that says, no more tears beyond this point. No more pain beyond this point. Verse 27, the last point. To the only wise God be glory forevermore. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Now remember, when you take the doxology in Romans 25 through 27, and you just kind of strip it down to what it is. He, him be glory. Him be glory. God be glory forevermore. 
Some of us had big plans for our lives that didn't involve new breed, I bet. I bet if we went around this room and talked about like, man, when you were uh, a young person, what did you want to do? I don't know if new breed would have came out of your mouth. Maybe you, Serenity. <laughs> Some of us had big plans for our lives that didn't involve our current spouses. I don't know if Candace would have chosen me apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us had big plans in our lives that didn't involve living in Shawnee, living in Russell, living where you live, living in West Louisville, even the jobs that we have. We could have, I mean, if you'd have asked us how we wanted to map it out, and maybe your life turned out exactly how you wanted to map it out. But I know that if you asked me in my eighth grade um, autograph book, or whenever, my, whenever they tell you, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know, uh, I wanted to play second base at Wrigley Field for the Cubs. That's no secret to some of you. But clearly we know that wasn't the case. And I'm okay with that. Maybe. Some of us had desires and aspirations that maybe would not have led us to this place, that would, met, would not have led us to the gospel. But the only wise God had a greater plan. But we are here and called as God's people. God has called us to this place at a time as now, as his people to be set apart for him. We cannot contest the wisdom of God. God knows. Who's to say that our ninth grade self would have done this better? Would have grown up in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior in a God-honoring way? I can't say, but I do know that I trust the sovereign plan of the God of the universe to call all men to himself and given us the opportunity to know him and enjoy him forever. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Lord did not have to choose us in this room to be here and love him. Look at Israel. They waited years and years and years and years and years, and they desperately wanted a Messiah, and when he came, they spit on him. They spit on him. We can worship and show all the glory and honor to God because God's gospel called you and it called me. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, take Jesus. That gospel power we talked about, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have that gospel power. Take Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer here today, I want to remind you that as we go through this Christian life, as we go through life in general, we don't always have to say the Christian life, whatever, but as we go through life, that we are sustained by the keeping power of the gospel. That word for, for power is the modern word for dynamite, but you know what? Um, it really means God establishing his plans in the hearts of man, in you, because you would have had other plans, quite frankly. I would have had other plans, quite frankly. So we can leave this place knowing that we are strengthened by the gospel and that that power and that strength in the gospel can help us walk in obedience of faith, that all men may come to know him and that he would get glory forevermore. Amen. And so before we um, transition, I'll, I'll pray us out and then we'll transition into uh, our communion time. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you how it speaks truth and life. I thank you that you have revealed yourself in all splendor and beauty and majesty and glory and power. 
and that while you had a perfect union with the Son and the Holy Spirit, you invited us into that union because we knew that we couldn't keep the law. We knew that our righteousness, (laughs) you knew that our righteousness was not good enough. And so you sent your son Jesus to live the life that we cannot live and to die the death that we deserved on the cross. And Father, our faith in him, as Paul reminds us, is a credit to our righteousness that we would trust in the name of the Lord Jesus and his victory on the cross, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And yet, sometimes we forget that, Lord. Sometimes we forget that power that sustaining power of the gospel. And I pray that this week, maybe we wouldn't. Maybe that when we go through this life, when we think about the struggles of this world and think about those around us, Father, that we would see the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, that we would see with gospel eyes that young man or that young woman coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's called all nations to himself, Father. Let us not be a hindrance with our walk, with our speech. Let us not think we're too good to talk to somebody, and I'm included in that, Father. Father, give us strength beyond our own understanding and comprehension. Father, it is such a beautiful thing that what you spoke years ago through broken people such as Moses and and Abraham and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah, those men were not perfect. They were far from it, quite frankly. But it just shows you that when you have your mind set on somebody's heart, you get it. And you pursued us with that same intentionality. And Father, we don't take that for granted. Because the gospel never gets old. It is a newing power. It is a sustaining power. And so even as we leave this place and we go back to our our, our work weeks and our families and our, our circumstances, and Father, we know that this world has a lot to confuse us with, but let it not outshine the beauty of gospel power. Father, we love you and we give you all the glory. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.